My dear respected Muslim brothers and non-Muslim guests, I'm very grateful to be here tonight and I'm feeling very honored to have this opportunity to address you on this critical topic. And I want to make sure that you understand that this is not really a lecture. I'm not prepared to lecture on this particular topic as if I have some special credentials to speak about the purpose of life. Actually, it's a sort of advice, an advice even to myself. Because I can see myself sitting where you're sitting. A few years ago, it seems almost like a few days ago, a non-Muslim, in particular, a Christian, a human being. The ethnicity or the nationality, it doesn't really matter. But an individual, a person who at that particular time did not know exactly, could not answer for myself, what is the purpose of life? Now I realize that in order for me to deliver this information to you, it will take some of your precious critical time. And no one has even a minute of life to waste. So with that note, I would request you, all of you, to think of what I'm saying to you as information and advice. Now this information may seem to be somewhat extensive. But when you consider the capacity of the human brain, the amount of information that it can store, the amount of information that it is able to process and decipher, then I don't think that the information that I'm going to share with you tonight will necessarily overburden you. Now, it is my responsibility to address the topic, what is the purpose of our life? And also to ask you the question, what do you know about Islam? I mean, what do you really know about Islam? Not what you read in the newspapers, not what you saw on television that was prepared for you, 
not the preconditioned information that came from people who had their own prejudices and their own limited views. But what do you really know about Islam? What facts do you really have about Islam and Muslims? Not necessarily even what have you seen in the action of some Muslims whom you may know. For that may not be an accurate reference either. As I mentioned, I am extremely honored to have this opportunity to be here in Sydney, Australia, in the land down under, if that's what you call it. And I would like to begin by saying that all of you have an equal responsibility with myself. And the responsibility that you have is to listen with an open heart and an open mind. Now, in a world filled with prejudice and cultural conditioning, it is extremely hard to find people that are willing to be objective for a moment and put aside their preconditioning and to think for a moment, if you dare, what is the purpose of your life? Now what I mean by open heart and open mind is very simple. And you can try this when you get home, it's no tricks to it. Turn the glass upside down and see if you can pour yourself a glass of water. You can pour all day, you'll never fill the glass. The mind and the heart are receptacles for information and values. Minimally, you have to listen in order to receive it. And you have to remove for a moment the obstructions Unfortunately, when you ask most people the question, what is the purpose of life? Such an important question, such a critical question. They will not tell you what they have concluded from life experiment, experience. They won't tell you what they have obtained through reasoning or logic. They won't tell you what they have from their own self-conviction. Usually, if you ask this question, they'll tell you what someone else said. Or they'll tell you what is commonly presumed by most people. What my father said the purpose of life is. What my mother said the purpose of life is. What the minister of my church said the purpose of life is. What my teacher or my professor in school said what the purpose of life is. What my friend said. If I ask anyone about the purpose of eating, why do we eat? 
Everyone will say in one way or another, we eat for nutrition. Very simple. If I ask anyone, anybody, why do they work? They say I work because I have to support myself and my family in an honorable way. A simple answer to a simple question. If we ask a series of questions like that, why do we wash? Why do we dress? They will answer all of these questions by saying, this is very simple. This is a common necessity for all human beings. And if you ask this question to a hundred people in a hundred different places in the world, you will get just about the same answers. Then I ask you to ask yourself, why is it that when we ask the simple question, what is the purpose of our lives? Why do we get so many different answers? It is because people haven't really thought about it. It's too frightening. Not the question itself is frightening, but what's frightening is that if we answer it clearly, it may change our lives indelibly, and we are afraid of change. The human being inertly, innately is afraid and apprehensive of change. This is why it's so easy just to follow, to imitate blindly, because then you don't have to feel like you're responsible. You can blame somebody else. Well, think about it tonight. Is our purpose in this world simply to eat and sleep and dress and work and acquire some material things and enjoy ourselves? Well, the hedonists, they will tell you, that is the pleasure seekers, the worldly people who only want to enjoy themselves, who are only concerned about taste and touch and feel and smell and have and possess, those people who think they have the world in their hands or that the world is in a cup of brandy, they will tell you that life is only for enjoyment, so enjoy all that you can. Is this our purpose? Why are we born? What is the object of our existence? And what is the wisdom behind the creation of man and this tremendous universe? Think about that question. Think about it seriously. Now, some people will argue that there is simply no proof of any divine origin of this world. 
And there's no proof that there's a God. And there's no proof that this universe has come about through any divine purpose. There are those who argue that. And some of them, they occupy some of the higher places in academia, in government. Some of them occupy some of the elite positions in society and in our lives. Some of them are called central personalities, but they themselves are confused. They also have their own frustrations. And I'd like to share a statistic with you. The greatest amount of misery, the greatest amount of suicide, the greatest amount of confusion and disparagement exists among that class of people. So evidently, even they don't have the answers. Now there are people who argue this way and they say that perhaps this world came about by chance. That means random. That's what chance means, random. Like going to the gambling house. You call it here the gaming rooms. They have a nice name for it here. It's a place of immorality. It's a place where you put your life savings on the line. You're trying to get something for nothing. You put your hard-earned money. Sometimes the man doesn't tell his wife or the wife doesn't tell her husband and they lose their house and their lives, taking a chance, trying to earn something for nothing. And the government has set it up and supported it with your tax dollars. And you're so foolish that you think that after you gamble for five years and you've lost 50 or $60,000, that if you win $25,000, you get real happy. So thinking that this world came about by chance is the same as thinking that when you put money in a slot machine that the numbers come up by chance, they don't. Everybody knows that the casinos are rigged and only the house wins all the time. But to think that this world came about in the same way that people gamble, random choice, well, let's put that to a test. This is an example that you can do in your home with your children. Take 10 marbles, number them one to 10, and put them inside of a bag and shake the bag. And then close your eyes without looking inside that bag, pull out number one, pull out marble number two, Pull out marble number three in that order. Just ten marbles, that's all. Five, ten. What do you think the chances are pulling out those ten marbles in that order without looking at them? Does anybody here that's a mathematic genius, knows about calculus, knows the random chance? Does anybody know the chance? 26 million to one. That's only ten marbles. That's called a micro example. Now let's go a little bit further out to a macro example. The earth that we are on 
is one planet among nine, or some people say 11, in our solar system, isn't it? And our sun that gives energy and light and gravity is the center of our solar system. And our sun is only one star, and it happens to be one of the smallest stars in our galaxy called the Milky Way. And the Milky Way is only one of the smaller galaxies in the nebula called the Andromeda. And the Andromeda has itself millions of galaxies like the one that our sun is a part of. And there are millions or literally countless galaxies, clusters of galaxies like the Andromeda that have been predicted by sending out sound and light. And they have sent out sound and light that has never returned. Now all of this diverse order that we see in the heavens that we are able to somewhat calculate and predict that we call night and day, time, all of this is in order that allows us to calculate. Tell me, if you can't pull out 10 marbles in order, how did all of this come in order? Evidently man didn't do it because man is only a drop of water on the earth, significantly nothing. You can't even see him if you get a certain distance. He's forgotten about. So I say to you, Certainly, this whole great world with all of its great orchestration could not have just come together. And even if we accept the Big Bang Theory, someone had to create that combustion. Because after the bang came about, everything came in order. So order does not come from disorder. You can't get out of your bed in the morning and don't make your bed and come back and your bed is made unless you got a maid. You can't demolish a house and come back and the house came back together unless you got a reconstruction crew. Order doesn't come from disorder. Order comes from an order. An order means a legislation, it means a science, it means a fact, it means a determination. And if man wasn't around when that Big Bang took place, he had nothing to do with that determination or anything after it. Here I would like to mention a few verses of the Quran that address this subject because the Quran was revealed more than 1400 years ago, a book of 6,626 verses that has been retained and memorized, preserved since the time that it was revealed more than 1,424 years ago. Memorized in the time of the prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, who received it in his own life, memorized by his companions. And the same Quran is with us today. And among the people sitting here, I'm sure there are five or 10 people who have memorized the entire Quran. This is the phenomena. 
if Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, never left anything else as a proof of his miracle and his prophethood to the world, it would be the Quran. I asked my brother to recite just a few verses and then I'll translate it. I will only translate two or three of those verses because this is enough to address this issue that I'm, I'm speaking to. This verse says, the Quran says, Verily, in the creation of the heavens and the earth, and in the alternation of the night and the day, surely this itself is a sign for those who reflect. Those who reflect on the creation of the heavens and the earth, on their creator, while they are standing, while they are sitting, while they are lying down on their sides, always they are reflecting on the signs of the heavens and the earth. They say, our Lord, our sustainer, not for any vain, foolish, random purpose have you created all of this. So save us from the chastisement of the fire. Dear brothers and sisters and guests, This verse of the Quran, these verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator of the heavens and the earth, God Almighty, has mentioned very clearly to us by first drawing our attention to the creation of ourselves. That's first. The different postures of the human body. And because he's the creator, and his throne exists over the heavens and the earth, he comes from his throne down, meaning in terms of knowledge befitting his person. So he first speaks about the creation of the heavens and the earth, something that man cannot construe. Then he says, the alternation of the night and the day, as it appears to us. Then he speaks about the posture of the human being, standing, you know we're different when we're standing. 
Our mind is even different. We have a different demeanor when we're standing. Then he says, while they are sitting, and we have a different demeanor when we're sitting, psychologists will tell you the human being has different postures according to the posture of the body. So when you're standing, you can be arrogant. When you're standing, you can make proclamations. When you're sitting, usually you're receiving, you're listening, you're a little more humble. When you're lying down on your side, either you're sick or you're weak or you're about to sleep. These are the postures of the human psychology. Look how beautiful the verse is. The wise people who fear God, they are thinking of him in all these postures, in all conditions. And they say, oh God, surely, not for any vain or random or foolish purpose have you created all of this. Save me from myself. Save me from my vanity. Save me from my foolishness. Save me from my rebellion. Save me from my disbelief. Save me from the chastisement of the fire. Dear brothers and sisters, certainly there is a creator. And certainly that creator deserves to be acknowledged. And certainly that creator deserves to be obeyed. And definitely that creator has no associates or comparisons. For instance, we have to ask ourselves a further question. When you see a bridge, a building, an automobile, you automatically consider the person or the company that designed it. You would never think when you look at these new cars, this new technology, you would never think that it created itself or it just happened to be there. Let's take something a little more simple. If you were walking out in the outback, that's what you call it here, isn't it? If you were walking in the outback, we call it the desert in America, and you saw a watch a very expensive watch, maybe like the watch that I'm wearing here, like not expensive but intricate, a world time, three or four different alarms on it. If you saw a watch laying down on the ground, would you think to yourself that it was always there? No, you would think someone left it there because you know that it is not part of the natural landscape. It's not part of that environment. It has been designed by someone and lost by someone, wouldn't you? This is just a watch. It's not really that intricate. It's not like the human eye. It's not like the sun. It's not like the earth with its, uh, with its uh, different ecosystems. It's not like that. So how could you think that this watch had a designer, but this universe doesn't have a designer? It just came about. When you see a nuclear plant, an orbiting space station, and by the way, unfortunately, the orbiting space station that you can look up at the sky and see, it might be there and it might fall out of orbit any time. Because America and the Soviet Union, they don't have the money 
They have the money to fight a war, but they don't have the money to support the space program any longer. So the $56 billion that has been spent on the space station, maybe it's over with. When you see a nuclear plant or an orbiting space station, a super international airport, you have to be thoroughly impressed with the engineering dynamics that are involved. Yet, these are just things that are manufactured by human beings. Then what about the human body? with its massive and intricate control systems. Think about it. Think about the brain, how it thinks, how it functions, how it analyzes, how it stores information, retrieves information, distinguishes light and categorizes information in a millionth of a second. And how it does that constantly. Think about the brain for a moment. Think about those mobile phones for a moment. <laughs> I would ask you to be courteous enough to cut your mobile phone off. Your wife, if she's not here, she won't mind. Your husband, if he's not here, he won't mind. Your office, they won't mind. So just cut it off or put it on another mode. That's courtesy. Now we're talking about the brain that made the automobile, the rocket ships, the boats, and so on. Think about the brain and who made that. Think about the heart, how it pumps throughout the body, throughout the life of the person. The heart pumps continuously. I mean, it starts at the inception when the child is inside the womb. The heart is already pumping. And from that time until death, this heart is pumping without the will of the person whose chest it is in. The heart taking in and discharging blood throughout the body and maintaining that steady precision throughout the life of that person. Think about it. Think about the kidneys. What kind of function do they carry? The purifying instrument of the body that performs hundreds of chemical analyses simultaneously and controls the level of toxicity in the body. And it does this automatically. Think about your eyes, the human camera that adjusts, focus, interrupts, evaluates, applies color automatically, the natural reception and adjustment to light and distance, automatic. Think about it. Who created that? Who designed the eye? With all the technology, there's no replacement for the human eye. Even they have not been able to create a robot that is able to mimic the blink of the eye. If they made a robot to blink and imitate the blink of the human eye, 
it would throw the robot out of sync because he couldn't keep the synchronization going like the eye does. Just something simple like that. Who created that? Who mastered that? Who planned that? And who regulates that? Human beings themselves? What's your answer? Of course not. What about this universe? Think about this. The Earth is one planet in our solar system, and our solar system is one of the systems in the Milky Way, the example I gave you previously. Who created that? Who designed that? Who maintains that perpetually until it continues to expand? And according to one scientific theory, what is it? That the, that the universe is expanding as we are living. And one day it will expand until it will implode. Implode means it will explode from the inside, not from the outside, but cave in. Now this is a theory. We don't know. But we do know it is expanding. Yet, for all intents and purposes, it's not affecting the organization that we see. Who designed that? Who controls that? Is it man himself? Of course not. Man just stumbled on the theory yesterday. Certainly there's a creator. And that creator deserves to be acknowledged. And that creator deserves to be obeyed. Because that creator has the only one has the right to legislate and to adjudicate and to be for humans who have the highest intellect to conform to. And definitely, that creator has no associates and that creator has no comparisons. Did all of this synchronization, balance, harmony, variation, design, maintenance, operation, and infinite numeration, did this happen by chance, by random? And also do these things function perpetually and perfectly, also by chance? And do they keep on reproducing themselves and maintaining themselves also by chance? What do you think? Of course not. That will be totally illogical and foolish. And we're not illogical and we're not foolish. But maybe we just didn't think about that. At least it would indicate that however that came to be, it is totally outside of the realm of human capability and we would all agree to that. We should all be in consensus to that, that all of this is outside of the realm of human capability. The being, the almighty power, God, the creator of the universe, the source of energy, the source of power, the source of existence. Call him, call it, call the creator what you will. But the principle is the same. It is beyond the capability of human beings themselves. We are subject, we are subordinate, we are not the principle ourselves. The creator of existence has the knowledge to design, to proportion, has created all of this and is responsible for maintaining all of this. That creator is the only one 
that is deserving of praise and gratitude. If I gave each one of you a hundred pounds or a hundred dollars for no reason, if before you left here, I said, everyone here just for coming, there's a hundred dollars on your way out. Don't forget to pick up your hundred dollars, but just leave your name and say thank you to the person who gives you the hundred dollars. Would you leave your name? Would you say thank you? Of course you would. No one, you would stand in a queue to leave. <laughs> so I ask you, what about your eyes? What about your kidneys? What about your brain? What about your life? What about your breath? What about your children? What about the life, the opportunities, the resources that you have been given? Are you grateful for that? Or do you say, I earned all of that? Is the one that gave you life not worthy of praise and thanks? Is the one that gave you life not worthy of your worship and recognition? My sisters and my brothers and my guests, that in a nutshell is the purpose and the goal of this life. One, to recognize and acknowledge the creator. Secondly, to conform to the laws of that creator. And thirdly, to give praise and gratitude and worship to that creator. That's the initial purpose of our lives. Just as the initial responsibility of a child as they're growing up is to respect their parents, but before they can respect their parents, don't they need to know them? You know your parents. Therefore, you respect your parents because you know that you wouldn't be here if they were not your parents. Secondly, they nurtured you, they guided you, they helped you through school and all your problems. And even if you don't fully respect them or listen to them, you have to be psychologically dependent upon them and grateful to them, obligated and indebted to them. So what about the Creator? who made your parents and their 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 parents and the whole world, this whole cosmos that we are experiencing. Is that creator not worthy of your recognition? Is that creator not worthy of your respect? Is that creator not worthy of your praise? Is that creator not worthy of your worship? It is just as fundamental and even more fundamental than respecting or recognizing your parents. That's the initial, primary, foundation, purpose of our lives. To come to recognize, appreciate Almighty God, the Creator, by scientific means, by dialectical means, through mathematical means, through worship, through reflection, any way you are able to, to come to the grips and come to grips with the fact that you yourself are not your own benefactor.
but that you are benefiting from something which was given that you didn't even ask for. I don't think that anyone who considers themselves clever or scientific or analytical would have much argument with this purpose. They may have their own set of rationales, their own justifications, their own ideas, their own theories, but it all boils down to the same thing. Because with all their ideas and all their theories, they seem to be headed in the same place. Because I don't see anybody that has escaped death except Walt Disney. Uh, at least uh, they would have us to think that. Or Steven Spielberg, Hollywood or Charliewood or Bollywood. But the reality of life is that everyone, every day you wake up, you are closer to death. And that's what you need to think about. You're not closer to your objective. You're not closer to what you've been working for all your lives. You are closer to death because that is the ultimate place that all of us are heading. From the womb to the tomb. That's it. And Michael Jackson will have to make another thriller. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, this is something that you and I need to deal with seriously. We need to reconcile this issue. We need to resolve this issue. Don't let death sneak up on you because babies die. Adolescents die. Young, vibrant, intelligent, beautiful, well-endowed individuals die. Arrogant people die. Even executioners die. And death is a doorway that if the creator of the heavens and the earth had no other power over his creatures who consider themselves to be powerful, individuals, independent, if he had no other power, no other sign of his power except death, it would be enough. Because anybody with power, anybody with resources, governments or other than that, if there was something that they would do to buy themselves out of, it would be what? death, but it's not negotiable. Dear brothers and sisters, let us all witness that there's nothing worthy of worship. That's what we should all bear witness. There's nothing in the heavens or the earth, no principle, no power, no sovereign, not a man, nor a group of men, not a society, nor a nation, nor a coalition of nations that have any power over life and death or creation, except who? The Creator. Let us all bear witness that there's none to be worshipped except the Creator, none to be acknowledged except the Creator. Let us all bear witness to that. Let us all say 
that there is none to be worshipped, to be recognized, except the Creator. Let's say that. Is there a problem? Is there a stutter? Is there a hesitation? If there's someone who thinks that they are self-created, if there's someone who thinks that they're outside of this cycle I just spoke of, stand up, because you're the one that should be talking here. Because you're gonna to announce to us a theory that none of us know about. If not, we should all bear witness, or at least if I called your name and that was your name, you would come up here and say, if I said to you, somebody handed me an envelope, and it said that someone by the name of David Matthews is the recipient of $2,000. We picked his name out of a hat, and he's recipient of 2000 Come on down! <laughs> if he was upstairs there, he might have fall out the, he fall out the balcony trying to get down here. You see? So for your own motivation, you have no problem. But for the Creator, you got a problem. Muslims, say La ilaha illallah. That's all it means. It just means that there's none to be recognized. It means none to be worshipped. It means none to be conformed to or obeyed except the Creator. This is what Jesus said. This is what Moses said. This is what Abraham said. This is what David said. This is what Solomon said. Peace and blessings be upon all of them. This is what Isaac said. This is what Ismail said. This is what John the Baptist said. This is what Jesus Christ said. That's what the prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing be upon him, said. All the prophets, all those men that received revelation from God, they all said one thing. La ilaha illallah. A simple statement they said. Dear friends, dear Muslims, let us now discuss the second half of our topic. What do you know about Islam? One Islam Productions, an Islamic film studio established in Australia, is dedicated to producing films for all Muslims. Just some of the films by One Islam Productions. Children's programs, Islam for Me, We Remember Allah, Storytime and more. Educational films, Pray As You Have Seen Me Pray, Words, Ramadan, Renewal of Faith. Documentaries. We at One Islam Productions believe that Islam is precious and deserves to be presented in only the highest quality. Visit us at www.oneislam.net for more information. One Islam Productions, a film production company run by Muslims for Muslims. I'm